You must be another Gundam boy, Grudge. Oh my God, they're gorgeous. You must be another Gundam boy, Grudge. Oh my God, they're gorgeous. You must be another Gundam boy, Grudge. You must, you must, you must be another Gundam boy, Grudge. You, you, you must, you must be another Gundam boy, Grudge. You must, you must, you must be another Gundam boy, Grudge. I'm gonna become. Episode 48 of um, Gun- uh, Gundam at MHQ. This is one of your hosts, Neo. And uh, everybody wanted it, and they got it. The Solbo Free episode. No, All right. No, <laughs> <laughs> so unfortunately, uh, Solbo had some uh, family things, uh, obligations he had to take care of. Nothing serious, so don't, don't think of it that way. It was just one of those things, and we all have to go through them at times. So, uh, unfortunately, it's just going to be uh, myself, Neo, and Chris. Chris, say hello to everyone. Hi. Uh, flying solo in this one, and I will also be joined later on because there were some other scheduling conflicts. Um, I will be doing, um, uh, be with one of our special guest hosts uh, for an ongoing model uh, model segments that we're going to be doing throughout the year. Uh, Andreas Serrato. Um, he does a lot of things on the Tomopop website. And he's a very avid and very accomplished uh, model builder, especially Gundam and Plamu stuff. So um, I'll be discussing with him just some of the basics of, you know, his interest, uh, the things in general dealing with models, some of the different grades, and, you know, just some advice for some of the people that are waiting to take the plunge in the model building world. And later on throughout the throughout this year, Andreas is going to join us on many other segments, some more technical ones. We we felt that this type of um, topic was such a big topic that doing it, try to do it in one or two segments just would not do it justice. And uh, so we, we don't even know how many we're going to be ended up having, but I, I would say probably quite a few, right, Chris? Definitely. There's a lot of stuff to cover, and uh, we've got years of catching up to do. Yes, because it's one of the outside of, um, what was it, Full Metal Panic, and if Shar. Uh, an armorer died at the end of gun, uh, Shars counterattack. These are this is like the third most requested um, question or topic when it comes to uh, Gundam here. So um, we just wanted to do it right. So that's why it took a little bit longer than normal. So, um, but uh, got some listener submitted news articles. Got a few here, and this first one comes courtesy of JCN Castle. Uh, and this actually is going to tie into one of the topics that we're going to be talking about during our um, Megacom panels uh, that are coming up in uh, March. And they have an interview here on Anime News Network. And just check the link on the news, listeners submitted news article site in, or thread in the Megatalk forum. Um, they have an, in, kind of an interview here talking about, and I didn't really know that this was supposed to be going on. Uh, but it, they're, uh, the live-action Ghost in the Shell is actually a fork, is a is a go, and uh, they have they have a 
have a interview here where they're talking about the script and it's going to be how you know I guess everybody is worried about if it's not going to be based on the uh, it's going to be based on the original manga not the uh, animated movie adaptation so any of the fans out there that are uh, big fans of Ghost in the Shell um, you know if especially the manga form um, be looking for that uh, personally I'm not a huge proponent of live-action anime adaptations, but uh, I, I think in a lot of ways Ghost in the Shell could be done right. I mean, we had kind of the low-rent Ghost in the Shell with The Matrix, so... But, uh, Chris, what... Any thoughts or fears or horror dealing with the, the possibility of a live-action Ghost in the Shell? It looks like it's coming down the pipe. Uh, fears, uh, definitely. Mm-hmm. It really depends on the studio, the, the director, the writer. You know, it has a potential to be something really good, but... Um, you know, a lot of things have a lot of potential to be really good and get really screwed up by the Hollywood process where these movies get made by committee, you know, with what they think we want to see and the end result is a piece of crap. So, you know, I'll 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 look forward to it once I finally see the finished product if it ever arrives, because it could very easily fall into development hell. And in a lot of these interviews in in this article on Anime News Network, um they have the, the full interviews on uh, moviesonline.ca and screenrant.com. And one of the last things I'll say about this, it seems like they still have the Steven Spielberg name associated with this. But uh, based on what I'm seeing here, it doesn't say what shape or fashion that he's going to be. So uh, I'm kind of with Chris. I, I, don't, I, I think if there's any anime that could be done, this could be done very well, especially like you said. You know, all the points you were talking about are, are hit, but uh, I don't know. <laughs> we'll uh, see. Yeah, we'll see. So next episode here is from a new poster, EA Net Dude, I guess, or a Net Dude. Um, and he's talking about how um, now available on uh, YouTube, Crunchyroll, and uh, there's the Mo- Mobile Suit Gundam movies, the trilogy movies. And, um, you know, and this is in plans for a lot dealing with um, the upcoming premiere of Unicorn. They also show on their uh, 08th MS team uh, the, and the different igloos, um, igloos 1 and 2, um, Nazi Love Forever, and War in the Pocket, Stardust Memories, and Zeta Gundam, so, and the Zeta Gundam movies. So anybody that hasn't had a chance to um, you know, watch those movies or see them in a nice new way. Uh, definitely check them out on uh, on that. And I'd like to thank uh, Mr. Annette Dude for his new post um, as a new poster here. And our third topic here, our third uh, article here, comes from a Poster TV, and it's dealing with something that Chris likes a lot: photomes. And there's in, oh, in, yeah. in, in the Anime News Network, it's been uh, released that there's going to be three new OVAs. Uh, Irvine, Finder, and Koi Fudetaba. Did I say that correctly, Chris? Uh, this is you were talking about, so probably not. But it oh, means okay. alone again. Okay. I know anytime that there's Votomes, especially new Votomes, you get that tingle down your spine, and you can't wait to uh, talk a little bit about this. So. Oh, you, you know it, brother. Uh, <laughs> you know, what's interesting is that uh, this recent announcement of these three new OAVs, which... I don't recall ever seeing a franchise having three OAVs announced for it in one shot. No, I can't either. The closest I can compare, I can think of, is uh, a while back when it was announced that Cobra was getting two OAV series and a new TV series all at the same time. Yeah. So I think this would probably trump that. 
Um, and what's interesting is that this is in addition to Phantom Arc, a new OAV that's already coming out next month, which up to now was billed as the, the end of Botomes, but uh, I guess not really. Uh, unlike, unlike the Bandai studio, they, uh, the people that do Votomes, they're like, there's the, the end of Votomes, but we're not going to say there won't be no new, no new Votomes. Yeah, so um, what I like, though, is that um, you know, two of these uh, OAVs, from the sounds of it by the description, uh, Case Irvine and Votomes Finder, they're about totally different guys. They don't involve yeah. Chirico at all. And one of the things I've always thought was that Votomes has a really expansive universe that could be explored in many, many ways and not have to focus on just Chirico. And it's not that I don't like Chirico because I like his character very much and the stories he's involved with, but the way the narrative is set up with him and the way the timeline is between the original series and Shining Heresy, there's only so much that you can do with him. Yeah. You know, they've already pushed the limit by doing, you know, an OAV big battle during the uh, time of the very end of the TV show before he and Fiona go off into space. They did Shining Heresy, which kind of boxes things in of them being frozen for 30 years. <laughs> they did prequels with uh, Roots of Ambition and Pales and Files. They did one during the TV show with uh, Last Red Shoulder. So with Chirico, there's only so much that you can do. And I liked that back in the 80s, they had uh, Merrowlink as an OAV. And I always thought it was a bit of a shame that they never did more non-Chirico OAVs. So I'm glad to see these two OAVs. And based on the description, they both sound like they're pretty different and they'll be a, a good exploration of this universe. Um, of course, the third OAV is about Chirico, alone again, and this one sounds like it really is the, the end of his saga because the description is that he's meeting up with Gotho and some of his other friends 32 years after the TV show, which by definition would put this uh, as after Shining Heresy. Yeah. So I think that'll be good to see, and the more Votomes, the better. I mean, the fact that this franchise was in deep sleep for so long and has continued to be popular in uh, you know, modeling magazines and has had this resurgence with Pales and Files, and now these four OAVs, I'm hopeful for what the future might hold for Votomes. Yeah, I was I always kind of felt the same way, and you know, Votomes uh, is is a good it, it's franchise material, and it would be nice to see you know like you said even though we love Chirico to death, um, it would be nice to see other stories that that go within that that same world because it's a very interesting world. Um, it is. It's it's a very detailed world. It's uh it's dirty. Yeah. Um. It's, it's a world where there's a lot of shades of gray and, you know, there's really not too many nice people in that world if you, if you think about it. You know, there's a lot of opportunistic people. It's, it's sort of a very gritty kind of um, world. I, I guess the closest way to describe it would be it, it's sort of the um, sort of like a noir mecha series. Yeah, that would be a, that is kind of a good way. of Noir sci-fi mecha, you know. Yeah which you don't see too much of. So that's one of the appeals of the universe. And it's just waiting. It's just sitting there waiting to be this expansive franchise, which it is, but it could certainly be more than it has been up to now. And, uh, you know, we'll have to see 
what these new OAVs bring to the table. Yeah, we, we, we've seen we've seen less we've seen stories with less become franchises. <laughs> yeah, that that don't really deserve it. And here's one that is just perfectly exploitable, but hasn't been to the extent that it could be. Anything else on new votomes? Except uh, can't wait for uh, the pre torrents to start coming up for that, right? I want it all. <laughs> hey, if if uh, although this is doubtful, if Sunrise put out uh, subtitled. Blu-rays of uh, these new Votomes at a decent price, the way they're doing with Unicorn, I'd snap them up in a second. Yeah, I would too. Yeah, especially since all of these new OVAs, including uh, Phantom Arc, are all being released simultaneously on DVD and Blu-ray. So I would certainly pony up the cash if uh, if they had subtitles and they weren't, you know, like eight thousand yen per volume. <laughs> But Peter could buy those, right? Especially, <laughs> especially with the current exchange rate not being so good. Well, will Peter buy the over overpriced DVDs and Blu-rays, right? <laughs> hey, in, in Peter's defense, I know somebody who actually spent a hundred dollars to get a five-minute Blu-ray with a preview of Black Rock Shooter. A hundred dollars, huh? A hundred dollars for a five-minute Blu-ray. Wow. So. Let's let's not uh, let's not knock on Peter when when there's someone who who's far worse out there. <laughs> but um, and we, we we love Peter anyways. Just one of those things. But um, okay. Well, anything else on Votomes or your love for Votomes? Give uh, me more. And last listener submitted news article that we have here is from Jabman025, and it's actually not too much of an article, more just some information that all of us would like to hear. And this is courtesy of the Nikong blog. Um. And it's been confirmed that the Double O movie is going to be released in September of 2010. So, um, and if you go to the Nikon blog, they got some scans of the new of the Japanese new type with Setsuna doing his best imitation of the Nazi guy from Igloo with the with the glove thing. So, and and some other screenshots of some of the Gundams, some of the uh, pilots, and oh God, Saji and Luis, but um. No, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no. why? Adam's not here. Otherwise, he'd uh, be inundating us with uh, adoration for uh, you know the king. Just want to thank everyone for their submissions. And if you have any news topics that you'd like to submit, just put it. Go to the uh, Gundam uh, at MHQ uh, thread uh, spot on the M- the Mecha Talk forum, and there's the Neo's News listener submitted news articles, and uh, just. Always post up the link and definitely check um, your neighbors to make sure you're not double posting some stuff. So um, we'll be back in a little bit uh, with our first Wait. talk. Oh, you're oh, forgetting I'm sorry. Uh, mailbag time. Mailbag time. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, I've got a few um, few pieces here from the mailbag. Uh, our first question comes from the goose, and he says, uh, "What are some cliches in the super robot genre that you dislike?" And I'm going to go ahead and, and punt this question because this will be something we'll be discussing at uh, one of our panels next month at Megacon. Yeah. So no point in going over it now. So just listen next month to the next special episode and you'll find your answer there. Next question comes from uh, Sobo, Sobro's pal, Jabman025. He says, it's time to embrace the horror. Are there any shows, Mecha or otherwise, that you are embarrassed to admit that you liked? Not really. I don't, I'm not embarrassed to like any. Do you, do you have anything you're embarrassed to like? Not really, because you know, if it was something that I, you know, was embarrassed to like, that would 
imply that it was probably bad, and if it was bad, then I probably wouldn't watch it, I, or I at think, least not watch very much of it. I, I think there's there's probably some shows that I've watched that people get tired of hearing about, but I do like those shows. Like even though I know the the, the product can be their fans, you know, just having obsessing over it, it makes the enjoyment of it for others less. But you know, that that's about it, really. I don't I don't have anything I'm too embarrassed to to watch. <laughs> Guessing the same thing. Solbro, what do you think? Well, thank you for that, that insight. <laughs> All right. Uh, moving on. Our next question comes from uh, Yahtzee88. And uh, I'm picking out one of his questions here. Shard Armor is... die at the end of Shard's Counterattack. Yes. Okay. Since you guys talked about Legend of Galactic Heroes, what anime shows do you think... Legend of Galactic Heroes had inspired because I think that Code Geass and Glass Fleet and also Heroic Age are some examples, but I'd like to also hear your thoughts and opinion on this topic. I guess you could, you could say it influenced it. Um, Code Geass does come to mind because uh, a lot of the political intrigue. Uh, strategy. Strategy and all that. Um, Heroic Age. And what was the other one? Black Glass Fleet? Glass Fleet. Yeah. I mean, I think influencing... Yes, ripping off. No, um, I don't. I don't see them as being like clones of the show. But I, I honestly think there's a there's the thing about Legend of Galactic Heroes is it's just good storytelling, and in in a lot of ways, just being a well told story uh, can be a, um, an influence to a lot of a lot of things, even if they're not within the same genre or the same type of um, uh, of theme. And uh, yeah, I, I think Legend of Galactic Heroes does that. I think you can see there's there's some shows out there. I, I wish it had a larger influence at times than uh, than what it has because we probably have a lot more solid shows out there. But um, those comparisons, I would definitely say, yeah, definitely. One thing that I would suggest, not a show that I've seen too much of, but I could sort of see some similarities that people would cite, uh, Crest of the Stars. Yes, it does. Yeah, I forgot about Crest of the Stars. I've seen Crest of the Stars. It, it does. Very very reminiscent of it. Because when I remember watching Galactic Heroes, it's like, I feel like I've, felt, I've kind of been around this route before, but Legend of Galactic Heroes is still its own thing. Yeah, I can't think of anything else off the top of my head. I mean, there's a lot of space opera type shows on, that are out there, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they were influenced by Galactic Heroes because Galactic Heroes has kind of a unique mix of elements. Yeah, I mean, it's... And even with Galactic Heroes, I, I think if you wanted to say what was Galactic Heroes kind of influenced by too, um, some of the stuff like uh, Yamato and, and uh, Harlock and stuff, you can see that kind of the offshoot. Yeah. Of, you can see how those have influenced shows, you know, for the last thirty years since their creation. So and, and it's not like Legend of Galactic Heroes is like the you know the gospel source of space opera that everything's descended from. Yeah, but I, I think the the examples that they they said were probably probably some of the biggest. But so I guess any any other questions or that's it for this installment. So if you'd like to submit some questions uh, for the mailbag. There's a mailbag Dropbox thread in the Gundam subform on Mechatalk. Please read the guidelines before posting the questions for these sort of questions that are allowed or not allowed. And uh, like with Neo's News, please check to see what other people have posted so that you're not duplicating things that have already been posted. Yeah. Alright, well, um, anything else? Solbro, do you have anything you want to say to the fans? Okay, well, that's good. Well, 
If that's it at this point, we'll be back in a little bit with our first topic. You're listening to Gundam at MHQ. Here's to being dead. You're taking this extremely well. Taking what extremely well? That I'm here. I don't give a Gundam if you're dead. Or time traveling or the ghost of Christmas past. All I care about is this whiskey. So bottoms up. Get the hell out of my house. Hi, I'm Mitsugi. And I'm Hatake. And we're the hosts of Anime Addicts Anonymous Podcast. AAAPodcast.com. Listen up, anime fans. Do you find yourself spending tons of money on anime DVDs and merchandise? Wishing you drove a Gundam to work instead of your car? Singing J-pop music in the shower? If you do any of these things, you might be an anime addict. At the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast, we have one mission, to turn your anime addiction into an obsession. We entertain our listeners with current anime news, celebrity guest hosts, hilarious discussion topics, and fair, unbiased review on current and past anime. Here are a few testimonials. I used to be a total anime noob. Now I know so much about anime that I can say, Spike was caught riding on a Tachkoma eating Pocky wearing a Hidden Leaf Village headband while looking at a foldout of Revy in a Death Note, and know exactly what that means. Now that I listen to the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast, I never have to watch a bad anime again. They watch them, so I don't. So visit us at aaapodcast.com and submit anime review requests on our forum and tune in on iTunes so you can always have the latest in news and reviews. So get obsessed with Anime Addicts at the AAA. And remember, we're here for you. Damn! Good kick, Lee. It was an accident. That's okay. We'll just say you tried to catch a cab. This segment of Gundam at MAHQ is brought to you by GoDaddy.com. Hey everybody, welcome back to Gundam at MAHQ. This segment, we're going to do something that we haven't done in quite a long time, which is use a listener-suggested topic. And for this segment, we're going to use one suggested by Seraphic over on the MechaTalk forums. And here is what he has to say. What are your thoughts on the use of next-stage humans in Gundam? New types, coordinators, innovators. How do you think about them compared to one another? Do you think it's a good writing slash plot device, or does it detract from the show at all? Should this device be carried onto newer shows or universes? And do you feel it would be better to focus on regular humans? Remember, Low Gear is the only true coordinator. Um, that little last part to the smiley. So yeah. uh, the topic is is on the floor, and uh, since it's just the two of us, I'll uh, kick it to you first, Paul. What do you what do you think about uh, these uh, inv- advanced humans in the various universes of Gundam? Well, I'm gonna have to talk as from the from the great area of Central Florida. I hate them. No, just kidding. I hate everything about them. Teabagged for life. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I don't really have that much of a problem with it. I remember with Gundam Seed, I thought that was one of the most interesting things about Gundam Seed. Uh, it was the first time, you know, we've had new types in Universal Century before, but that was more of an, an evolutionary type of deal, and then it got kind of mucked up later, and, you know, it's just one of those things. Um, but in terms of, like, advanced humans, and, oh, well, we had cyber new types too, but... That was, I think that's a little bit different when it comes to, you know, the coordinators and some of the innovators. Um, like I said, that was one of the most interesting parts of Gundam Seed. And it was, I think it was, it showed kind of the time that we were in, the early 2000s, when a lot of stuff was being made of uh, the cloning of a lot of those am animals. And all of a sudden we started having discussions about applying that to humans and the ethical dilemmas of doing that. Uh, unfortunately, I, I think it's one of the points um, they kind of dropped the ball a little bit at the end of Seed, and they definitely dropped the ball in uh, Seed Destiny when it came to it. In terms of the innovators or the Innovato or whatever um, they were in Double O, um, I, I think it was a. I think they kind of took that concept and, and maybe went in a route that you were kind of expecting Seed to go into when it came to those people's places in history. Um, now, in terms of, like, the future, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to see it where it's just a trope. Like, now all of a sudden, in addition to Keys Ignition, Masked Man, um, you know, Jilted Lover and all this other stuff, we have to have, you know, performance-enhanced humans. So, uh, you know, it's, I don't know. I mean, it, I'm, I guess it, it works in the context of the story and how it works on that. But, uh, Chris... Uh, so I don't take probably too much of your stuff or any ideas you thought. Go ahead and... Solbro, tell us what you think. Oh, wait, he's not here. <laughs> How'd you like Galactic Heroes, Solbro? <laughs> um, you know, when it comes to, um, you know, these things of these, these advanced humans, um, what you always have to be weary of is do they serve a purpose yeah. and a function in the story or are they just, um, you know, an excuse to give guys awesome piloting skills yeah that's true and some Gundam shows I think have managed to uh, walk that line better than others uh, unfortunately I think Seed really dropped the ball entirely throughout its whole universe with uh, the idea of naturals and coordinators because the setup is really interesting yeah. but the execution is just totally lacking yeah because I mean, you have it, it, well I'm sorry it's just, it deals with racism and you know just that whole kind of ethnic hate thing and even though it's a different type of eth you know they're not really an ethnicity but yeah it, it, it was a very interesting basis of instead of just being space people and <laughs> and earth people but that's basically what it turned into. Yeah. The whole, the whole, um, the whole concept of natural and coordinators in execution in Seed basically was little more than window dressing for this is a conflict between space people and Earth people. Yeah, and especially in Destiny, be, that's what it became. Because yeah, and what bothered me was there never really was much exploration of why it is that both of these. Um, you know, different types of people feared each other. You just, you just had rabid, extreme hatred on both sides. It's George Glenn in the space whale, man. Yeah, I mean, uh, I can understand. You know, people have like religious and and ethical reasons, but um, you know, for for being weary about uh, you know experimenting with humans and you know advancing humans and playing God. But the way C depicts it is, uh, Earth people, space people, bad, rah, kill them all. Rah. 
And the state people are like, naturals are stupid. Kill and or subjugate all of them. Yeah. You know, there really was no... Um, there really was no sensibility there, you know. Yeah, people in Orb, I guess they're kind of cool because they had, you know, naturals and coordinators. But, you know, Orb is this magical perfect place, which we're not going to get into. That's a whole other topic. But, you know, you just had, you know, rabid extremism on the issue on both sides and no middle ground whatsoever. And the problem I had with Seed, I think when it really got kind of silly with that, that whole thing was... Um, and I didn't mind the characters, but the, the druggies. It's like you have this guy, Azrael, that's like the, the head of this ultra hate group for coordinators, but yet they take these three guys. And, and modify them with drugs and technology yeah. and brainwashing. But that's okay. But yeah, they basically do the same thing, even though, you know, it wasn't in utero. It was. You know, later on in their later on in their life. So I guess not to get not to veer off into politics too much, but I guess it's kind of you know the same like self-serving justification as you know I am a pro-life person, mm -hmm. but I will shoot an abortion doctor to express my pro-lifeness. Not yeah. to say that you know everyone in the pro-life movement has that belief. You know, that's only a very small number of extreme people who would go that far. But it's the same logic. You know, you espouse to you know be in favor of protecting life, yet you exercise that belief by killing somebody. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, in a limited way, it's sort of the same thing. Again, it's a very small subset of people who believe that and would even act on that stuff, you know, when it comes to the pro-life movement. But it's sort of like this, this illogic is, is still there. And it's the same thing of, you know, we hate space people, but we don't, who are modified, but we don't mind modifying people to fight the space people. And, and the thing that bothered me when it came to Azrael, it's like, okay, you could see, oh, yeah, he's a hypocrite. But he never even had, like, the point where he had the dilemma was, like, you know, I can't believe, you know, we're, we're, uh, we have to fight these, these genetically engineered people. And I had to sink so far low that I had to, you know, do the same thing. And it's just Yeah, like, the show completely glosses over that ethical issue. And if it hadn't, I think that would have been a very interesting way to pursue the issue of, you know, how different these people are. The other thing, um, you know, the, the show made such a big stink early on, seed that is, of how advanced coordinators were. You know, they can type really fast and they can, <laughs> you know, they can win the Super Bowl and they can fly jet planes and all yeah. this stuff. But they really didn't do anything special at all. Yeah. You know, they made a big deal about how, oh, you know, these, these OSs are so advanced and only coordinators can pilot mobile suits. And then once, you know, the Naturals finally got their strike daggers, you know, they were piloting just as well as coordinators. So where was that, you know, supposed superiority of the space people? You yeah. know, their pilots and their grunts sucked just as much compared to Kira as anyone else did. And, and, and I guess a great example of that, if you wanted to use real life, is like with racing, like car racing, like Formula One or something like that. How many times have we seen a driver just kick so much butt on the track? He's with, He has all the great tools and great car and everything like that goes to another team and we see the flaws in his you know we see the flaws in his driving and that he was a product of the thing just like you know with the strike daggers it's like they could what is it they talked about in the beginning of seed how they couldn't even they were having a hard time getting the the five gundams walking yeah they could these guys could barely walk and you know when the issue came up of moo being a pilot he's like what i couldn't even get that thing to move you know blah 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 and then you know but at the same time look at all these crappy grunts in gins yeah. and everything these guys suck they suck just as bad as the earth people once the earth people get mobile suits so where's that superiority and then in destiny when both sides have had mobile suits for a while, you look at all these guys running around in Zaku's and whatever, and 
they suck just as bad as the guys in Daggers and Wyndham's. So yeah. where's the difference at all? Yeah, it, I I don't see it. So I think that you know Seed had a lot of potential with this conflict, but you know it was just sort of there to create the setting and just be there in the background and never be anything more because these things were never developed. Like for example, what the hell the Seed is. Yeah. And why is it that only, you know, important characters in these shows get to have them? And why does some uh, blind reverend know what the hell it is, but he's uh, totally tight-lipped about it? He ain't talking. He ain't talking. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and then we're, then we're teased throughout the whole beginning of the sh- most of the show that it's something maybe dealing with being a coordinator. And then we find out. No, it's uh, not. A natural. <laughs> Naturals can do it, you know. It's like, oh, then you know, everybody can be a Johnny Come Lately with their seed modes, <laughs> you know. So I think, unfortunately, in seed, um, the whole thing of uh, the seed power as used by Kira and and Athrin and uh, and Shin to a lesser extent Kigali when she uses it, but Lacus she just has that power for no reason at all. <laughs> so that seed power only manifests itself for those three guys yeah. as a power up. Pretty much, yeah. And nothing more. So the whole sum of, you know, this whole seed power is it's not anything to do with evolution. It's just a power boost for the character during a fight. And that's what I don't like about this whole advanced human thing in Gundam. So and, I and, think seed and, definitely did not walk the line. And the problem with that power up, too, is it's it's kind of like, um, you know, they, they would have that power up. But then the normal guys that didn't have this power up, like the druggies, they could still hang with Kira and Atherin when they were in seed mode fighting. So it's almost like, it, why even bother doing it? <laughs> yeah. And then you lost your advantage. You know, with Kira, at first, when he starts going into the seed mode, he he's worried about this whole berserker thing. And maybe he's going crazy and all this stuff and he's just going to lose it. But never happens because eventually uh he's able to turn on and off his seed mode like a freaking switch yeah whereas you know shin and atherin still struggle with you know it turns on for them like at only critical moments during like a really big battle but (laughs) you know kira it's like you know he 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 turns on you know some some song on his uh, space ipod just as easily as he turns on his seed mode (laughs) so in in that universe i think that that's a flawed idea that um just wasn't executed well when it comes to uh coordinators and double o um i think it was an interesting way to or innovators yeah yeah, the innovators were an interesting way of tackling this whole thing of advanced humans because if you look at a guy like uh like ribbons he certainly was a lot more advanced than a typical human but his whole role as an artificial being was just to act as a facilitator uh, a middleman to um, helping humans evolve to what they're destined to become. Yeah, and 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 opposed to like within Seed, where it seemed mainly the reason why people were doing the coordinator thing was just because it was kind of the chic thing to do. Yeah, you could you could determine certain things with your child. The whole thing, you know, we find out with the innovators is they were bred and they were created to help uh, mankind move to the stars, and because it's you know such a harsh environment, and that's. You know, that Although was, uh, interestingly, in in the astray mangas, um, George Glenn, who appears as yeah. as a hologram, as a as a brain in a box, or whatever the hell it is, uh, he explains that um, 
basically coordinators in, in the Seed universe were supposed to serve the same role as the Innovates. Well, they were yeah. supposed to coordinate with humanity to lead people into the stars and bring about the true evolution of humanity, which neither Seed nor Destiny ever even touch upon. That's just an astray. And if they had, that would have been really interesting. So I think Double uh, O picked up the slack on that idea and actually put it to use. Oh. So. Oh, oh, astray. How, how, yeah. how, how you could have been animated and Seed and Destiny could have been printed. Exactly. <laughs> I, I guess uh, Ian is the older double O version of, of, of Low. <laughs> <laughs> if Low was to jump universes, he would be, uh, he would be Ian. All, all I remember from George Glenn is it, he always, it always seemed like he would wear different clothing when they would they comment about something yeah. stray manga so i like that you know uh, that ribbons was even though he was more advanced than a human you know from basically the whole point of shenberg's plan was you're really not anything special you're just here to do this job and you're basically crap yeah, and the, and and, the other, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. And you see that uh, he gets pissed off from that, and naturally he starts to think to himself, you know, if he's, if I'm better than humans, why should I have to help elevate them to a higher level than me? Yeah, and 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 you, he was the only real one that you got the the you know he was kind of the the person that had like the kind of moment of clarity when it came to all that, you know, and, and his place of things, but. Even some of the other innovators, you never really got the sense that they, they knew they were different than people, but they didn't see, even, even Tiaria, he knew he was different, but I don't think he felt he was so vastly superior as like the, and, and, you know, especially like in Seed where it was like the coordinators just thought they were so vastly superior and like the naturals, yeah. oh God, he's a coordinator. What are we going to do? But like you said, they had no, nothing that really made him stand apart. Well, even then again with Tiaria, you know, he changed a lot because yeah. Ribbons always set himself apart from people. And as we see from his dialogue with Setsuna at the end, uh, he sees humans as being little more than, than animals. Right. And Tiaria has had a lot of contact with people. But if you recall, way back at the beginning of Double O, he talked a lot more like these innovators. He did, but he, but he wasn't, I don't know, it, it just seemed like uh, he, was, he had difficulty uh, being around people because you could tell he, he never, did. Re- never really did. But, and he, was, but he, he adapted and he started to yeah. become more human. But at the beginning of Double O, he was like, you know, who cares about civilian casualties? The plan yeah, is all that's that is important. True. And his experiences shaped him and uh, gave him that human insight, which is why, you know, by season two, you know, whenever he's he's asked, like, hey, man, why don't you come with us? He's like, no, I'm a human. Yeah. So I think Double O did that concept well. And these other innovators, you know, you don't see too much from them because they're not much more than uh, Ribbons' work drones because he even tells them this much like, hey, I may, you know, you all are, are innovates. But I'm still better than any of you because I created all of you. So don't get any ideas. Especially you, Hilling. Yeah. So <laughs> he doesn't see any of them as even being his equal. Yeah. They're just tools for him to help control the animals. Yeah, and and which, like you said, is is a better way of handling the whole performance enhanced humans than what they did in C. Because in C, it just became you know even with Patrick Zala, yeah, I I were more superior than humans. But in the end, it just became you know, uh, just your standard hate group when it came to things where Ribbons, he thought he was above everyone. He thought he was even above the people that are pretty much his own equals. And um, yeah, so I don't know. But what are your thoughts on uh, it being, you know, is this something you want to see? I mean, I know in Double O, the new Double O movie, I'm sure that that's going to be a big component is, you know, somewhere in the dealing with the innovators and the whole fact of, 
uh, Satsuna becoming one. But um, what do you think of it as a, uh, a future plot device or storyline in, in Gundam? Well, we haven't even gotten to uh, innovate, I mean, uh, new types yet. So oh, that's let's, true. let's hold off on that question for, for a little bit. Uh, what do you think about uh, new types? For, and for this part, let's just stick to Universal Century and then we'll deal with X separately. Um, in dealing with Universal Century, uh, I don't have a problem with it. I, I, it. I think, you know, if you go by the movie trilogy, the MSG movie trilogy, and go from that point on, it, it's, it doesn't seem as far fantastic as it did going from the original show on. Um, well, it helps that, you know, the, the movie trilogy develops it yeah. from the very beginning, whereas if you watch the TV show, it doesn't come oh, out man. until, like, the last five episodes, and suddenly you're like, what the hell is all this weird, funky crap coming out of nowhere? I, I, do, I do think at times, though, it, it did seem more of a plot device of, you know, it seemed an easy explanation of why Armuro could pilot the Gundam, and it's like, yeah, he has no training, he's a 16, 17-year-old kid, yet he's able to become an ace in no time. And it's because, well, he's a new type. Um, you know, Rich, if, if people are studying evolution and, and these things are happy and this is things that they're, you know, looking at, I, I guess kind of works. But later on uh, in Zeta, I, I, think it's, I think it's treated the best in Zeta to an extent because here it is. Um, it, it's just kind of a new phenomenon, especially with everybody being up in space. And unfortunately, we see that people try to use it for evil or use it for war more than trying to, um, mm -hmm. you know, go go more in the aspect of uh, of what it was truly supposed to be, like with what Shar's father had said. Um, it's definitely a contrast because in the original series, you had a lot of people who didn't even believe yeah. in the existence of new types. Like uh, I always recall, there was this this one line that uh, Cassilia says towards the end. I don't recall if it was like right after she killed Garen, yeah. where she says something like, you know. I wish that you had really believed in the existence of new types, mm -hmm. you know, because he created his like special new type core, which really was just for show yeah. and propaganda. It's not something that he really believed. But by the time of Zeta rolling around, you know, everyone is aware of new types and everyone wants to use them to their advantage, both, you know, the Aug, who is so eager to herald Camille as the second coming of Amuro to... You know, the Titans who are willing to destroy people's entire minds mm -hmm. just to turn them into the ultimate fighting weapons. Yeah, and, 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 put, and put normal soldiers in harm's way to see if there was any type of potential that would even come out of them. And, um, yeah, it, it, I don't know. It, I, 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 it doesn't seem as much of a plot device in Zeta to me because it seems, unfortunately... Um, you know what we saw like in first MSG and then some of the later shows where it seemed like it was one of these things that was very isolated to a certain amount of people um, and Zeta towards the end it seems that everybody's got kind of some type of the new type ability uh, some stronger than others because you know the, those final battles we've, we see, especially like in the final battle we, see, we, we get the thing where people like bright and you know people that aren't necessarily thought of as being new types in, in the continuum that you know they're, they're feeling some of the things and and you know like people dying and some of the other things stuff like that so what i find interesting though is that you know new types they start off small in in original series and then they reach a height in zeta and double zeta and then from that point on they drop off yeah a lot and i'm wondering how much of this is 
you know, just the evolution of the story or also the evolution of Tamino's ideas because, you know, in the end of the original series, new types, they're presented as, you know, the new hope for the future and eventually they'll unite humanity and lead us to a better place and everyone will get along. And then when Zeta rolls around a few years later, it's like, no, nobody cares about understanding new types. They just want to use them as weapons for war and then they disappear, and even later on in F-91 and Victory, new types are still thought of as not something that is good for humanity, just something that's good for fighting. Yeah, and I, I would probably say it's a little bit of both. I think it's probably a little bit of him, um, the way he wanted to go in the story, but also, too, I, I think um, maybe in some ways it, it, he just felt that it was... Uh, you know, it was it was a better way of telling the story without having the new types in there. But maybe I mean I think it's a combination of story and maybe something like you know his maybe growing pessimism translating yeah into something because you know when you look at the end of the new type saga in Victory compared to you know in like 1994 compared to where they started in 79 it's a world apart. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I'm thinking, you know, his personal feelings, whatever they are throughout the 80s, just had to influence that process somehow. And that kind of leads us to um, Gundam X, which has a kind of similar treatment of new types, where even though their powers are a little different, you know, there's something that are not very well understood. And, you know, both sides are obsessed, literally obsessed with new types yeah. for different ideas. Uh, the space people, because... You know, they are worshipping them practically as the next evolution of humanity. And then the Earth people who are uh, terribly frightened of them and want to control them and use them as weapons. Yeah, and, and I, I think I think that really... Um, the one thing I liked about the whole thing with Gundam X is they, they just out and said it's an evolutionary type of thing. It's just a mutant. It's almost kind yeah. of a, a, a mutant variant of, of humanity just for whatever reason. Which and, is a pretty close explanation to what, you know, Tamino's ultimate conclusion yeah. is because, you know, new types were heralded in Universal Century as the next step in evolution. But then, you know, 70 or 80 years later when you get to victory, there's hardly any of them around. Yeah. And I, know, I, I, I wish they I wish Tamino would have used the... Um, I guess you could use it in in the fact of bringing over relating what's in X, where the reason why we see that new types are so mysterious and, and so few is because after that war, because of all the emotional distress of people dying, that it basically either killed the new types or they fried their powers, like we saw with Lancelot and uh, Jamil. And I guess in kind of a way, after you see X, you could possibly put that maybe as an explanation of why we see so far few of them in victory. You know, we, we see that the, these wars have been going on for so long and, you know, maybe um, and, you know, I guess maybe the other thing, too, is that maybe some of the new types just stayed in hiding like they did in X uh, because yeah. they didn't want to be treated as a as a weapon. And, and as we see, there are new types who um, in Universal Century and in, in, in Gundam X, there are new types outside of the pilots. I mean, you yeah. look at. You know, in, in V, you've got a few new types who are not pilots, like like Shakti and uh, and her mom Maria. Yep. Uh, you know, in in original series, you know, and even a little bit in Zeta, Mirai definitely shows some signs of being a new type, but you know, she's not a combat pilot, and and she doesn't get into any mobile suits. So I think that's a pretty good mix to have. That you need to show that you know to avoid falling into the trap of of seed that uh, new typeism isn't just a power boost, and there are people yeah. who are you know civilians 
who are undergoing the same thing because when it comes to seed with the seed power, it's all important characters who have this power. It's limited that, to just those five people. I think that's what differentiated the, the later stuff in Universal Century was when she said, once we saw people like Mirai and them exhibit the powers and they weren't piloting. Uh, because, you know, with the, within MSG, it, it basically seems like everybody that is showing any two, new type prowess is going to be fighting in some way, shape, or fashion. Um, you know, even even Sela. I mean, if she never yeah. left the bridge, that's one thing. But, you know, there were times that she, you know, and then later on she got into the, 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 the core fighter and the G fighter and all this other stuff. So that that's, I, I think in a lot of ways, the I will still say the, the Gundam X explanation of new types makes the most sense to me. Mm -hmm. um, maybe it's because it's just one show and we didn't have like the X universe and having different, you know, especially later on in Universal Century, we see later we see later shows that aren't written by Tamino or even directed by Tamino, so it's almost more. But then again, aside from aside from Unicorn, um, all of the non-Tamino Universal Century stuff completely ignores new types. Yeah. So, you know, they, they kind of, I guess they see that as his, his providence and don't even touch it because, I mean, I don't even recall new types being mentioned even once in any of the igloos. Not in the igloos. Uh, they're mentioned in, in 0080. They're not mentioned in 83, I don't believe. They're mentioned in 83, and I don't think they're mentioned in 8th MS team. Mm, well, that last episode. But, oh yeah, last episode. But uh, if you you're know, going through this story, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. they're 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 either just lightly mentioned or completely glossed over. So it's something that that pretty much is in the realm of Tamino until Unicorn. You know, it's bizarre when I really think about it too. Is Stardust Memories? You know, this that's supposed to be the bridge between MSG and Zeta, and it's like if there would be any of, of any of the non-Tamino shows would have anything with gun or new types in it. You thought that would be the show. Um, You'd think, but uh, yeah. I guess they didn't want to go that route. So, you know, having looked at all of these different types of advanced humans, looking at the future, what would you want to see either, well, both for the established universes that are out there now and, you know, any new universe that might be created? I, I think in terms of new types, um, I'm kind of mixed on the whole, the whole thing of if we ever get like a true definition of it i think sometimes it, I, we can even equate this to the whole thing of like you know how darth vader became darth vader it's like maybe it's better sometimes better not, not knowing not knowing the true because it, it may not be as great or, or, or what we thought where yeah. we just we just deal with the now like the new types now it's not yeah when you find here. out that darth vader was born out of you know some angsty guy being told hey you should become evil because your pretty young wife might die someday from something it's like really wait that that was the creation of darth <laughs> vader not some hatred. you know <laughs> not some horrible moral situation back up against the wall you know, down in the dumps, kind of, yeah. you know, at the end of your rope, kind of desperation, which is what I'd sort of always imagined it was. Your pretty young wife might die someday from something, but if you're evil, you could save her, even yeah. though there's wrong with her right now. But that, in terms of new types, I, I just think that needs to be the way that I would do it. In terms of if there's ever the seed movie, um, you know, I, I would like to, I would, if they're going to do anything else in the seed universe, I would rather them just have a different set of writers and directors and just yeah. and just maybe go into the what they 
perceive the the coordinator thing is because like 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 both of us said it's i mean it was such a great point of that show and i just sat there i remember watching the show as it came out and i'm like wow you know, I can't wait to see how this whole storyline ends with this. And it's like, oh, my God, now there's this guy is a clone of a Moose's father. And it's like, blah, blah. And then it's just like, eh, nothing. So that I think also that Seed is the universe is too closely connected to its current cast of characters. Yeah. So if they ever bring in a new staff for anything, whether it's a TV show or a movie, I think they also need to um, put a couple of decades behind them. Yeah, to do a unicorn type of thing, you know, where you have you have some time and maybe you have one or two characters from the original, but they're not they're not stars, they're not pilots, you know, or maybe they're just background yeah. people. Yeah, I don't need to see Jesus Yamato stealing any more spotlights, you know, even if it says an old man. Yeah, like he dusts off the Strike Freedom. Gotta he dusts it. off the old Strike Freedom that's like 50 years old, but he still, like, whoops whoever's in still whatever. More, it's still more advanced, like uh, the Akatsuki. <laughs> Yeah, we don't need to see that. So (laughs) if you're going to go back to Seed and you really want to explore the whole coordinators and naturals, number one, bring some balance to the whole, you know, thing so it's not just rabid hatred. Yeah. And two, you know, move the clock forward like 30 or 40 or 50 years. (laughs) So in terms of that, yeah. um, Innovators, I I think I don't I don't have a problem with it. I, I also I also think in the end too maybe we don't need a huge explanation episode of it but i think we know enough that just the fact that these people are going to be in society that now that we you know we get these little teases especially at the end of uh season two worst gundam season ever season two of double o but um you know we we get the glimpses that there's more than just the just the innovators that we knew of and it seems yeah. like they're more integrated in the s- society than what was originally thought. That's well, they are out there because uh, even yeah. some of the uh, the scans for the movie show some new innovator type characters. So there's still a force that's out there, and it's not over just because Ribbons is gone. Yeah. But we don't even know for sure that he's dead. So yeah, it, it, I mean, I, I think you know they they did a they did a good job of um, of doing it where. It, it was part of the story, but it didn't end up taking over the story. And yeah. I think that was the problem that you had with Seed, where it was like, it just took over. The, you know, just the mass racism between the two people just took over. And with Innovators, okay, you know, it's, it's like we didn't even really know too much about them. And they really weren't spoken that much about them until, you know, season two. And but they still were an effective story element. So yeah. I think they had a pretty good balance there of... Um, of using them and not having, you know, their powers become too central a focus. But I, my last thing will be is I just, like I stated beforehand, I just don't want it to become a trope. Like, I don't want it where from future Gundam shows, you have to have an engineered human. Like, you know, there are some shows that we stated, like within Universal Century, that didn't have it. That were still pretty yeah. good shows, so. G didn't have any special humans, you know. No. Wing didn't have any special humans unless you count Hero and whatever the hell he is. Yeah, it's... Turn A didn't have, you know, special humans. So I think for the future, you know, if they want to create some concept, they really have to be careful of, you know, as we emphasized before, walking this line of is it an important part of the story or is it just a cliche to give the pilot a power up? Yeah. And I'm not sure what more you could do because, you know, you've got, you know, 
the natural evolution of humans, maybe, with new types. You've got genetically engineered humans with uh, coordinators, and you've got artificially created humans with uh, innovators and uh, innovates. So I'm not sure what else is left to do that would be compelling and would stand out and not just be there for the window dressing of Earth versus space. So whatever concept they come up with, invariably for whatever the next universe, I mean, uh, alternate universe is, it'll have to be something that really sticks out and is well thought out. Yeah, definitely. But, you know, I'm, I'm like I said, I just hope it's not a, one of those tropes. I, I, you know, But I'd rather see the trope exist of the... Ex- uh, the um, enhanced human instead of that they just continue to do the Saji trope for future shows. <laughs> <laughs> any any other comments, Solbro? <laughs> well, you know he did it. He did what he was supposed to do. <laughs> hey, don't go don't go shitting on my man in there. That's King Arthur, man. It's the legend of King Arthur. <laughs> you got the girl. You got the girl, man. Why why you hating? Why you hating? <laughs> After losing her arm and her family and half her sanity. <laughs> Half? All. <laughs> and even other people's sanity. <laughs> Mine. <laughs> well, gentlemen, I think uh, that about wraps it up for uh, for this topic. I think we should have had a, a cardboard cutout for Soul Bro to, to have next to the mic. Would have been a good visual aid if, if we did video on this podcast. Well, we'd have, we'd have to make sure that the, the, the Soul Bro cardboard cutout though, gets the Soul Bro seal of approval, though. Oh, well, if that happens, then it'll probably fall apart and... <laughs> It won't stand up for even one episode, so... No problem. That uh, puts an end to this topic where we um, took some listener-submitted suggestions. So, as always, you can suggest more topics to us in the um, designated thread on MechaTalk. So, right now, we're just going to take a break and be right back. You're listening to Gundam at MAHQ. Your father wanted you to have this when you were old enough, but your uncle wouldn't allow it. He feared you might follow old Obi-Wan on some damn fool idealistic crusade like your father did. This episode of Gundam is brought to you by GoDaddy.com. Right now they're offering special discounts to our listeners. Just simply go to GoDaddy.com and use the code GUN8 for 10% off any order not already discounted. GUN9 for $5 off purchases that are $30 or more on any items not already discounted. .com domain names are as low as $749 if you use the code GUN10. And last but not least, code 20H1 for 20% off hosting plans. For more information, you can go to Gundam.net and click on the GoDaddy link in the sponsors and special offers section. Don't wait too long. The domain name you've always wanted might be claimed by someone else before you know it. Register with GoDaddy.com today. Who shot you in the ass? Who? That who would be you. Me? I shot you? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I was shooting. That was. I did a lot of shooting. I mean, but I, I, I ain't saying I shot you in the ass. I mean, I, I ain't saying I didn't shoot you. But gun damn! Somebody shot you in the ass. Tell me about it. Okay. 
This segment of Gundam at MAHQ is brought to you by Petco. All right, everyone. Welcome back to Gundam at MAHQ. This is one of your hosts, Neo. And unfortunately, I'm not going to be uh, joined with the other two guys, uh, Chris and Solbro. Uh, just had some unforeseen uh, scheduling conflicts today. But we wanted to do... Um, we wanted to get one of our guests, uh, a guest that we've actually met a few times that me and Solbra have met a few times at the Sumi Con and that uh, Chris knows, um, you know, it just, I don't even know how long you guys have known each other. I think now it's been about maybe, I think four years or so now. Cool. Cool. And uh, that's uh, Andreas Serrato. And um, Andreas is, uh, he would do... We met him as kind of like the model builder uh, panel person for the SumiCon the last couple of years that we did the re- live recordings there. And we, we definitely wanted to get uh, Andreas on because he's, he has very extensive knowledge and experience doing a variety of different Gundam models and, and, and Plamo in general too, right? Uh, Andres? Yeah, just a couple of side things. Um, mainly into mecha modeling. I haven't really gotten to like garage kits or any like the figure building, but right. armored core, SRW originals, things along those lines. Okay, and we know that a lot of, a lot of our listeners have been requesting a model topic for a long time. This first topic that this first segment that we're going to do, this is going to be uh, just a, a quick overview. Andreas is going to talk a little bit about his experiences and you know some of the things that he's done with modeling the last few years. And um, we'll be getting into more of the technical stuff in future segments. We've asked um, Andreas to be on, and he's going to join us uh, in future segments. And prob- I don't know how many different segments that'll be, but um, I, guess, I guess we'll definitely be getting into main, the, more of the nuts and bolts with uh, the actual building and then definitely with detailing and stuff. But um, So before we begin, Andreas, just uh, tell us a little bit about your um, model-making uh, career here and you know maybe some of the things that got you into it and you know that keeps you going oh well i guess it started back you know 10 years ago when gundam wing came on tv seeing the commercials and you know buying the kits when they came out i remember the first kit i made it was just the most awful thing i've ever done it was a gundam sandrock and i remember painting it with the acrylic paint that you would use in like art class or something. And then I paint, did the panel lines with a really thick Sharpie. So I just had like this horrible, horrible thing that came out of it. Eventually it fell apart to pieces, but I still had those pieces for some reason. And it wasn't until later on, you know, you grow up, you get a job and all of a sudden everything in the market is available to you. You know, the whole con circuit, you know, gets up and merchandise is like freely available for everyone, even though you couldn't go to a store. And it was just this giant avenue of kits of every single thing that you wanted, and it was like right there for you. So that's pretty much how I got started. It just started, you know, getting into it again after a break. I guess like the best part about it, like getting back into it, was just actually being able to select from just such a wide variety of stuff that was available. Have you always been like a, a tinkerer and like a builder of things when um, you were younger or just something you just kind of got into because you're like, wow, this is pretty cool things I'm seeing on TV. It's, it's a little of both. It's just weird because at, when I was younger and I did tinker with things, I was horrible with it. Mm-hmm. I would like break apart a remote, try and put it back together. And it was like, all of a sudden this thing isn't working anymore. And parents would get angry at me for that. So. But eventually, it grew into something I liked, Gundam, so the models were an extension of that, and just 
I hadn't really collected for a while. Like when I was younger, I was really into baseball cards and football cards and just buying everything I possibly could. And then when that died out, I didn't really have anything left. And it's like, okay, I have these models. I have, there's something more to them. I have to put effort into them. I have to build them myself and it takes up my time. So a lot of that's what drove me further into the hobby. It's just like it's something for me to do, something to keep me occupied. You said you recently got back into uh, doing the Gundam modeling. Um, is, is a lot of it because of some of the improvements that we've seen with the model since the wing days? I mean, Oh, I, yeah. I can tell you from personal experience myself, uh, I bought some of those early master grades and high grades, and uh, they, they, they were terrible. I mean, but it was cool because... There was nothing like it, so... But looking back, it's like, ugh. Yeah, I remember what really brought me back into it was... I just remember my freshman year of college. I guess I'm dating myself right now. But um, I remember that, that glorious Amazon sale. It's like, um, we have a Master Grade here. Um, Alex, uh, 12 bucks. Oh, here's a Perfect Grade Sharzaku 2 for 40 And then it was just like, what was previously unavailable to me is all of a sudden right there for the taking. And that's what, like, drove me back into it. And then, you know, it was getting, like, a lot of those, you know, those older kids, you know, that Master Grade Sharazaku was from 1996. And then I built it, and I'm like, this isn't enough yet. So it's like, then searching out the new ones, I think around that time, Strike was coming out. And then God Gundam a bit before that. And then just getting my hands on some of those kits, and it was just like, this is what I've always wanted. This is what I was expecting when I saw those great toy commercials. Not this floppy Epion where if I just have it there, its leg is going to literally fall off. Right. Basically, with the, the resurgence of a lot of the models and stuff, you've been doing this for quite a long time. Uh, how many models do you think you've... You, do you still... you currently have all the models that you Yes. Build? Okay. How many, how many would that be? I would say right now between... Of that I've built, it's probably in the area of around 120 or so. Oh, wow. And then I was recently married last year, and thankfully my wife shares my hobby, and she has about 80 kits of hers that she also brought in. Wow. That's uh, pretty interesting because you, you always think of, especially like with uh, Gundam and Plamu uh, model building, that's more of a, seems more of a male-dominated type of, um, uh, type of uh, area. When it yeah, comes I was to fandom. Yeah, I was like really fortunate for them. You know, I'm just glad I met somewhere where it's like, okay, time to throw all this crap away. But instead, it was like, no, let's make it the focal point. You know, so now I have my living rooms just completely plastered with everything, and I think like on display we have somewhere around 250 pieces, and then wow. you know, random MSIAs, Robotomashis, all of those scattered about. Okay, well, I know that you've done a few reviews for uh, the website Tomopop, and we, we've had one of uh, the past contributors on here, uh, Pedro Pedro Bear right. South, and um, so a lot of the, a lot of the listeners are, rec uh, are um, you know they they remember him. But you you, you told me kind of off air that you've done a few reviews, and um, you, you have some other ones coming up. So why don't you just let me know what you know, let everybody know what they are, and um, you know what you got coming up for that. Well, my one completed review that I have up right now is the Master Grades Nanju from Gundam Unicorn. That's probably my second favorite kit that I have right now. Um, the first favorite kit now, it always just always becomes the newest thing that eventually becomes my favorite. Because like with model building, you just get better and better with each new kit. Is um, the one that I'm working on. I'm doing a video review now for the Perfect Grade Double O Riser. So that one is halfway done now. I just have the opening video up now, but I'll have the construction of the 
Double O Gundam up there sometime soon. Um, as far as what I'm looking forward to next, um, one of the other things I have featured up there is just not a full gallery, but it's somewhat of an abomination. And because, in what way? <laughs> well, it's an abomination in the way that I'm, I'm sure the listeners will cringe. Okay. It's not like anything like the blue horror where it's like that, you know, that famous picture of like the blue destiny with all the nubs oh. cut off, but it's just yeah. something that I think that will truly make people revolt inside of it. As you guys, I'm sure you've guys covered multiple times, you know, how many, just how awful see destiny was, you know, it was like seeing the Zaku come up again, then the goof, then, you know, the, oh, hell, let's just call this a Gelgoog for, um, versus a Stray. Yeah. So I decided to take things a bit further, and I made, um, Lachis Zayong. <laughs> I'm have to check this out. <laughs> so. Is this the perfect Zayong, or is uh, it the one without no, the legs? No, it's the one without the legs. I just took the high-grade UC, <laughs> and... I painted it like it was Locus. <laughs> it has the ribbon hair in the back. Um, looks like Locus. It has the you know the um, the hair clip in the front. And I actually entered this into a contest. Um, Danny Chu he um, entered like he had a contest on Figure FM for AFA. And I actually wrote up a piece on on Tomopop because the winners were um, let's just say god awful. Right. And it's like, I know there's a lot of better model builders than I am. I know I'm not the best. I know I'm nowhere near that level yet. It was just kind of funny seeing, like, the results of that contest. But ultimately, that's what made me make the Lacus Seongs. I had wanted to do it for some time. But it, it truly is a horror. Sounds <laughs> so, like it. So now I just have it on my shelf. It's up there, and um, it's next to my ad guy and flipping the bird oh <laughs> i'm gonna kind of get in i guess um you know this this first segment's gonna be very um uh, very kind of broad and very informative like i said we'll get into some of the more finer details in later future segments but i, I think briefly um could you just kind of review with everyone uh the the current versions that you have of of gundam especially gundam when you know with the perfect grades the 1 100 some of the differences and maybe at you know, I know there's probably a lot of people out there that are interested in model building, but sometimes it can be very daunting and it can be a little intimidating when you see, um, you know, a lot of the models out there. Maybe some, you know, m maybe some advice for somebody that's thinking about getting into model building, maybe some of the routes that they might go to kind of, you know, enjoy what they're doing right. instead of being completely intimidated. So, Well, the first thing that I would say is, you know, don't worry about your first effort. You know, if you're getting into it, you know, your first effort is always going to, you know, be that starting point. For me, it was that horrible, horrible, you know, Gundam Sandrock. And eventually, you know, you do work your way up. You know, as far as the different lines are concerned, there's the four main lines that are out right now. The um, SD Super Deformed, you know, which are small, but those have gotten so much better over the past 10 years. Mm -hmm. um, so those I really recommend for a beginner. It's a small little kit, you know, and you do feel somewhat accomplished. The areas are big enough where you can paint, you know, and you won't feel you're making that many mistakes. And, you know, it's a cheap kit, you know, around five, ten dollar range, so you won't feel that bad, you know, you know, if you mess it up too bad. Right. Um up next I would suggest the high grade one forty fourth line. Um again, it's a smaller scale figure, it's about, I wanna say, four four to six inches depending on the kit, but they're really good entry 
again, so much better over the past five or so years. Um, within the HG category, you have the three different series, um, high-grade Universal Sentry, which is just UC units. They're really focusing on Unicorn, obviously, now. Oh, of course. High-grade Double O, which is, of course, all Double O, and then high-grade Seed. It's rumored that we might get a high-grade Alternative Universe line sometime this year, but I doubt it. I'd really like for it, but we're probably not going to get it this year. But again, going back to the kits themselves, they're they're a good-sized figure, extremely poseable, a lot better than they have been before. You will have to paint in more details as it is a smaller scale kit. So if you want to look exactly as it is in the show, you will have to paint it. But generally, you're going to get a nice looking figure for your effort. And again, you know, they're pretty cheap around the $10, $20 range. Moving up, there's the 1-100th scale, which again, not exactly high grades, but good quality kits. They're generally between $20, $30 range. Just think of them as a scaled up high grade. If you feel that you're up for the challenge, though, that now you're ready for it, um, step up to the Master Grade 1 100 scale. What sets it apart from the other lines is that each of the kits has an internal frame. So basically, you're snapping on the on the armor parts to an internal structure, so you'll see, like, the little pipes, you know, molded into the part. Very reminiscent of what an actual Gundam would be if you if right. the military was to build it, a frame, and then you put the you know the armor pieces and all the other things on top of it. So like some of the older ones, like I remember the um, like the comfort it would come with like this um, tube, like this cloth tubing to you know, so it's not just a plastic part with the sasabi and. You know, notoriously for the Zaku's, all the um, all the cable pipes, you know, are all right. individual pieces. So you'll get a very show accurate uh, model kit if you don't feel like painting it. You can express a lot of the details out should you want to paint it. And generally, they're very good kits. My current favorite that I have right now has to be the Sananju, and then my one one hundredth Goof Custom, which is one of my favorite kits, even though you know. The quality isn't that great on it. It was made in 2003, 2004, I believe. But the posability that's offered by him, as well as like a lot of the details and the gimmicks, like I think my favorite one so far has to be on um, the Turn A, which comes with Lorenz Cow. So you can't really beat that in terms of, you know, you're not going to get that with anything else. And then lastly, you know, most famously is the perfect grade line. This is where the big boys are. This is 160 of skill, so you're looking at a figure that's going to be at least a foot tall. Yeah. It's going to take a lot of time, a lot of patience. If you want to build the Gundam Mark II, for example, you're going to want to throw it against a wall. Either, either color, AU color and Titans, or just... Either uh, color. Oh, really? I, I love my Titans color. Like I, I built that, but going through with the AU one, I just want to punch a wall. It's not... I've, I have... I've built and, and owned the Perfect Grade Strike, and I've that was the first... Well, it was the second Perfect Grade that I did, and that one was... I don't know... I'm sure you've probably done that one. Um, I enjoyed building that one what's is the enjoyability yeah. more so than is it just something that they did with the building of the mark ii where it's just very the mark ii is just a frustrating kit like eventually it gets done and it looks very nice but oh it, it's just a painful painful build um but yeah like you said like i have the strike on on display here and that was my favorite kit to build i remember trying to rush through it to get it ready for a yusumi con i think i just brought the torso of it but and then right now like the double o that's the most expensive perfect grade to date yet it's 225,000 yen wow um starting so you're looking at 260 bucks right now for that kit 
but it features light-up spinning GN drives. Oh, my God. Battery-powered with the little watch yeah. batteries like the Bell Dandy Wing Zero had? Yeah. So you just put in the batteries. And, and this time now the, with the Master Grades, what they decided to do finally is um, – with the Perfect Grades, rather – but they finally decided, okay, you know what? Uh, the wiring, that was a bit much, so we're just going to do that for you. Yeah. So now you don't have to worry, like, I remember famously the Wings Zero Custom in the Sharzak 2. And it's just like, you're trying to do these instructions, and it's like, okay, how many times can I screw this up before the wiring just gives out? Yeah, it's like you have to be a, a contractor electrician to uh, know what to do. So, but thankfully, on the newer kits, they're just going. Okay, here's a battery. Just put it in there. Nice. So, that's kind of that's kind of like what Strike had in its head. Yeah. Its eyes light up. Yeah, they did that again with the double O. They actually included the batteries this time, which was just a godsend. <laughs> because I remember going out like I remember for the Strike specifically, it's like okay, I have to go and get these batteries. Okay, none of the stores carry this type of battery, so I ended up having to go over to a mall and then go to a watch place and they're like no one has these kind of batteries the only type that we have are these off-brand ones from europe surprisingly so it's like okay you know just put those in there and i paid i think it was like six bucks for like a single battery wow one of the one of the brainchilds of bandai will keep it completely japanese but allow it to be bought in outside of japan yeah and then i remember coming home and it's like yeah let me type up on amazon i could have gotten a 10 pack for two bucks so it was like, yeah, you know, a bit of patience would have saved me there. So basically, I, 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 even though it doesn't really matter, like you said, when you, when you want to get into model building, the best way of doing it is just kind of jumping in. And you talked about some of the, you know, the lower end kits are a little bit easier and, and not so hard on the wallet, especially if you screw up. But I guess from what I'm hearing is, is anybody that's out there that's interested in model building, the best way to do it is just to get a model and just just try it. And mm-hmm. uh, and and because it's all it's all kind of trial and error on that aspect. I would I would imagine. I would say if you want to like start into painting, there there's only one kit I can really suggest. Okay. And that's one forty fourth G Savior because if you paint it right, you're okay with it for once. And if you hate it, you have no problem smashing it to pieces. That's good advice. Is is there any one like still if somebody's a little kind of unsure of you know what what the skill level would be or even their talent doing model building? Is there like one or two kits that you would definitely suggest maybe just to you know just to see how they you know how their chops are at doing um, doing model building? I would say like if you're just starting off, I would say honestly right now the one of the best kits like if you're just getting into model building, you just want to see what it's like. Grab one of the high grade unicorns. Okay. The 144th. They don't really require any painting as they're solid white. Mm-hmm. The only thing is like the V-fin for destroy mode. But even then, if you just get unicorn mode, the only thing you're going to have to do is really panel line. And even yeah. then, that's not much at all. So it's a good straight build. You can see where it stands from there. And it's a relatively cheap kit. I think it's only like 1,600 yen or so, 1,600, 1,700. Well, so, so we don't get too much into you know some more nuts and bolts. And we've actually try to keep this very broad um now that you suggested some of the i you know some of the models to get um uh, you know just for the beginner uh, in building or, or painting um just before we close out everything mm-hmm. what would be some good areas or some um you know good websites or stores or something that you would suggest for people to check out and maybe m- maybe some ones that are good in terms of receiving what you're supposed to be receiving and yeah you know, not to not and not getting ripped off too i mean modeling can 
can become very expensive. And I'm sure Andreas can attest to that where, uh, you know, between you and your wife having over 200 models, I'm sure that's uh, a, a lot of dollar share in that house Yeah. <laughs> when it comes to stuff. But, you know, what are some areas that, uh, you know, outside of cons or some local shops, but uh, even even like the local shops now, I, I know we're having some issues here in Orlando. Some of our local shops, because of uh, economic times, have gone away or have right. you know stopped doing that. But what are you know? Because we we've spoken before about like Hobby Link and you, you said Amazon. But what are some other you know um, you know what what would be some of the best places that you would go for you know, to uh, models? One place I would definitely say um, domestically, if you're looking like for U.S. shipping. GundamStoreandMore.com. I've dealt with them a couple of times, and they generally offer very good deals. Um, again, if you want it really quick, that's going to be the best place to go. Prices are a little bit more than retail, you know, because of the um, you know they import. But you know, it's they're a great shop. They have excellent customer service. I had one issue where I didn't get what I wanted, but you know they were they were quick to respond. They said like, you know what, you know it was our mistake. You know, keep that and we'll send you what you needed. So I was like, that made a customer out of me. You know, that they were able to do that. Another one also is HobbyWave.com. Um, what's good about them is they offer ten dollars flat rate shipping. Oh, so wow. no, so no matter what you order, it's ten bucks. If oh. it's if it's only one water slide decal or you know perfect grade um, Zafrantes, it's going to be ten bucks. Okay, that's good so, to know then. So if you if if you just need a water a water decal or, or a pack of stickers, you might want don't go through them. <laughs> don't go through them, or or if you're going to go through them, make sure you buy you know a perfect grade double uh, O riser or something like that. Yeah. As far as um, international import, of course, you know Hobbyland Japan. Of One of the things I've covered recently on Tomopop has been a new retailer for the international scene that's Amiyami. Now Amiyami started off as a Japan only site. It's currently the largest figure site in Japan and they just opened up to the international market and it's having like a real drastic effect on actually the other sites too. If you notice HLJ and Hobby Search, they've been having a lot of sales lately. That's all directly tied into Amiyami. The reason why I suggest them also is because generally they'll offer a lot of nice bonuses. So when I originally got in double O and the perfect grade, it was twenty five thousand yen. They took twenty five percent off of that. Wow. And then, you know, of course, you know, the shipping was, you know, ridiculous on that. So I paid about retail price for it, you know, including the shipping. So having to only spend like two fifty as compared to two fifty and then plus the shipping, that was a great deal. And they offer it's not the largest range of kits, so if it just came out you're gonna be able to find it. If you're looking like for an older kit, you're not going to be able to find it through them. But the discounts they offer are just amazing right now. So I think they had the Master Grade GNX for, I think it was like $25. And then this month, they're offering 50% off shipping on top of that. That's great. Any other places or is that about it? As far as um, buying online, I would say so. eBay, you know, the only thing you have to watch out for is, of course, you know, like the shipping charges at some ridiculous thing. I wouldn't worry too much, you know, about the infamous like, bendy models, you know, like the bootleg kits, you know, they're pretty obvious, you know, to see right away that it's bootleg. If it's writing in Chinese and it's not one of the SD Sengokuden kits, odds are, you know, that's not going to be the kit you want. Exactly. Though I actually have found a site that 
deals only in bootleg kits, and they advertise that fact. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you know beforehand. No, it's funny because it's like, oh yeah, we have the high-grade Kshatriya right now. It's uh, $25. By the way, it's a bootleg, and its plastic will fall apart as soon as you touch it, but hey, it's only 25 bucks. <laughs> well, before we close out here, any um, you said that you've done some reviews on Tomopop. Is there any, what would be the best way for some of these guys to um, you know look up your reviews and maybe some of your galleries and stuff? Are there any specific sites or and, or even if somebody has a question, do you normally take questions from people out there that are kind of interested in building? Or Yeah, I don't have a primary site right now. I guess I really should do that now. But um, yeah, I am on Tomopop.com. If also my stuff is on YouTube, I currently have um, two videos up there for the double O. That's uh, YouTube.com slash uh, Project Zero. Um, just remove any vowels from it so it's... P-R-J-C-T-Z-R-O. I did that, you know, back when disemboweling was cool, I guess. Right. So, yeah, there's regret right there. Otherwise, you know, if I ever... I'm constantly updating, like, new kits on Tomopop, so if a new kit is released, like, recently we just had the Tamashi event this past weekend, so, like, we've been posting things frequently on Tomopop, like, oh, by the way, you know, this figure is coming out, like, we're finally getting a GM Sniper 2, so... Wow. Yeah, we're finally getting a figure of that, finally. I saw I saw that. It was a, It's a Master Grade, isn't it? Um, no, it's going to be a Robot Tamashi. Oh, okay. So it's still not a you know a model kit, but it's at least it's not you know a B Club option parts. Okay, right. here's three parts for a hundred dollars. Exactly. So generally, you know, just leave a comment and I'll be able to get back to you. You know, and I'll gladly talk with people and you know give advice and such. Okay, cool. All right. Well, this kind of ends our first segment here. Um, you know, the first of many, I'm sure, in, in the near future with Andreas. And this was a quick overview of a lot of the Gundam models out there and a uh, little bit of background of Andreas and some of his thoughts of you know advice that he would give for the beginning builders um, uh, or people that are interested in model building. Uh, we said that you know later on this year we'll be doing some more segments, a little bit more technical advice I would imagine in, in some of those, especially once we start getting to a lot of the detail in painting. And uh, definitely check out uh, Andreas's uh, YouTube videos and uh, you know check his stuff out on Tomo Pop and any questions or comments and uh, he'll get back with you but uh, I just want to thank you Andreas for coming on and uh, I know that um, I, I know that you probably have a, a pretty good uh, list of what you want to do and you know some of the things that you talked with, with Chris on there so um, are you on Mechatalk as well or I know I have a user account I just don't generally post all that often I, I think it's under again uh, Project Zero but I guess, you know, we'll put that in the notes. I'll leave my username up there, and people can send me messages that way. Yeah, and, and like I said, once um, once this episode gets posted up, I'm sure just definitely check out the, the forum on that because you're going to probably have a lot of people asking some questions there. A lot of our listeners do. So, But um, all right, everyone. Well, that that's the first in our, we don't know how many segments, but uh, first in many segments dealing with uh, model building. And we'll be back in a little bit. You're listening to Gundam at MHQ. Start talking and talk fast, you lousy bum! We've been frantically trying to reach you, dude. Where's my goddamn money, you bum? Well, well we... I, 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 I don't... They did not receive the money, you nitwit! They did not receive the money! Her life was in your hands! This is our concern, dude. No, man, nothing is f here. Nothing is f No, man. The goddamn plane has crashed into the mountain! 
need a cake but you don't want something boring from the local supermarket or bakery, in the South Florida area, try EpicSugarWorks.com. This bakery specializes in creating cakes based off of your favorite anime series, video game character, or whatever custom design you're looking for. Their online store also features anime and video game themed chocolate lollipops, as well as gift certificates if you want to give something to somebody. So if you're looking for a cake that's above the norm, go to EpicSugarWorks.com. It's epically delicious. Greetings, I am Andrew Cook, the host of Pretentious Internet Theater. Each month, I bring you the finest in literature that internet fan fiction has to offer. Join us, won't you? At tinyurl.com slash pitpodcast. Remember, there is much drama on the internet, but only the best makes pretentious internet theater. Open. Goddamn it! Open! Prime, you said the Matrix would light our darkest hour. Magnus! I want the Matrix! Never! And uh, so closes episode 48, minus uh, Solbro, who is off doing other things, but will be back next time. So this episode, we took a look at um, a user-submitted topic involving uh, the evolution of humans in Gundam, whether it's new types and coordinators and innovators and all that other junk, and where we'd like to see that go in the future. And then we also had, uh, finally, after so many years of requests, an examination of uh, the world of plastic modeling with our friend uh, Andre Serrato from Tomopop.com. So, uh, any closing comments or announcements, Paul? Um, just the fact that we'll be at Megacon, uh, was it March 11th through the the 13th march 12th. uh no uh megacon runs the 12th to the 14th of march yep. and we will be running two panels like we did last year we're gonna have one friday night from 8 p.m to 10 p.m in room w224d we've been there before so if you've come to one of our panels before you you've uh, been there and you know where to find it and we're gonna have another panel in the same room sunday from 12 p.m to 2 p.m yep so check uh you know mhq for any updates on that or our Twitter feed if there's any changes or anything like that but for now as the schedule is posted that's where uh, we're going to be and um, we're going to have some good topics for uh, discussion and audience participation yeah lots of Solbro guarantees probably too I make no guarantees on Solbro guarantees <laughs> well I, he doesn't even make the Solbro guarantees on the Solbro guarantees so <laughs> any, uh, any other comments or announcements you want to make just that you know thank you for everybody uh with your responses especially with the mailbag segments listeners submitted news articles and uh, you know just keep the stuff coming and as you can see with the model topic uh, we do listen it's eventually just that, yeah it's just that sometimes it just takes a while when it comes to this so um you know if there's anything else that you know you, you'd want to listen to or, or have us speak about you know definitely don't be afraid doesn't mean it's going to be done right away but you know so and thank you, Andreas, for uh, his time. And you know, th- thank him now for all the other times that he's going to be showing up on the show with some of uh, some more great model information. 
I'm definitely pleased by the response we've had so far from the mailbag, so I hope that uh, people keep it up and uh, keep it alive because a lot of the show depends on um, user contributions and kind of feedback you give us and the sort of things you want to hear so that is uh, a wrap for this episode uh if you want more information as always uh there's various websites you should visit uh, definitely visit our friends at tumblepop.com they do a lot of great work there with uh toys especially uh andres uh, keeping the flame going with uh, robot coverage so check out uh, some of the things that he's he's reviewed and um he keeps a pretty good tab on on the news for Gundam, you know, you can visit uh, the place where the magic starts, mahq.net. Uh, the main site for the podcast is gundam.net. The forum for uh, download links to the show and for comments and discussion is mechatalk.net. We've also got a Twitter feed, which is www.twitter.com slash mahqdotnet. And if you have any um, questions, you can email them to sbrmahq at gmail.com or neomahq at gmail.com or chrismahq at gmail.com or gundammahq at gmail.com. Are you sensing a pattern here? (laughs) So please uh, drop us a line. And um, for now, that's a wrap. And we'll be back in a few weeks with episode 49, getting close to... um, Hitting the uh, age for we can register for AARP. The, the golden anniversary, right? Yeah, isn't it? Uh, isn't fifty the magic number? I think it is, and it's yeah, it's gold. It's fifty-five for what AARP? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I think it's fifty or fifty-five, but well, whatever it is, whichever number it is, we're getting close to it. So <laughs> we're already getting senile in our old age. Nice. That's it for us, and um, we'll catch you in a few weeks. See you later. Later. Inside we have, in blue, the GNR 010 O-Riser, piloted by King Arthur himself. Solbro Ryu's main man, Saji Crossroad. Gundam at MHQ's Shinjuku Station, an MHQ production. Gundam! Boy modeling school wants handsome Gundam! Who's trained to become successful male models. Bring your beautiful face... And a check for $60. Oh my god, they're gorgeous!